It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. Will Lutz from 60! To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome in, Saints fans. Inside Black and Gold, Steve Geller, Jeff Nowak. And we are prepared for a game day, actually. Someday in the Superdome, the Caesar Superdome. Got to give him the naming rights credit, obviously. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs defending Super Bowl champs in town. Get to see a lot of uh, black and gold players in action that we've been anxiously waiting for during these training camp sessions. We'll get caught up on some news and then even get into some of the guys we are got that shot in the spotlight on for that game on Sunday. An indoor session just wrapped up today, Jeff, and definitely a lot more agreeable uh, and enjoyable to watch, not having to suffer the elements out in the heat. Although, you know what? I'm sure everybody's sick and tired of hearing about the whining of how hot it is. Yes. uh, Yeah, I was was not planning to complain about the heat, but I can't help it. If you always bring it up, Steve. Um, Anyway, just kidding. Uh, But... Not, not really. We're going to get into yeah, the spotlight players. We're going to pick some spotlight players, offense, defense to watch. That's going to be the third segment. In the second segment, we're going to break down some of the key takeaways from the first unofficial depth chart. We got that over the last couple of days, and there are some interesting things in there that are willing, that are worth diving into. So, But this first segment, yes, news and notes. The last time we talked to you, it sure seemed like the Saints were about to sign Kareem Hunt and Anthony Barr. But wouldn't you know it, they did not. They got out of town without contracts. I'd imagine those deals are still on the table, but who knows? Kareem Hunt didn't actually work out. He left. He had a meeting and left. Um, the Colts were allegedly offering more money. I don't know. He didn't get a deal there either. So we'll see. The Saints and are they continuing signed the to running work. back, the Colts. They did sign a running back. I can't recall who it was, but you know they're gonna. The Saints are gonna continue working guys out. Reports are that Jalen Smith was in there today. I would imagine there were. There were multiple players that they had in there working out. Um, so I'm sure we'll find that out by the time this podcast airs to make us sound uninformed. But that's fine. Uh, Jalen Smith, linebacker, who came up with the Cowboys, former Notre Dame guy, played for the Giants last year. He was, he was pretty bad for the Giants, in my opinion. I, I, I don't think he's the answer for the Saints. I honestly don't think Anthony Barr was the answer for the Saints either. Everyone got really excited when they hear that name because it's a name they know. But guys... Right. A lot. These guys are still on the market for a reason. Like that's the thing. It's like Anthony Barr is not going to save the Saints' season. Jalen Smith is not going to save the Saints' season. These are depth signings, especially at this point in their career. So I think that's what always happens. We get these big names, and everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, this guy!" And then it's like, "Yeah, whatever." I will say, I think the the Jimmy Graham signing is a little different, just because. Yeah, he was off the market last year and really was like, if I'm not going to play for the Saints, I'm not going to play for anyone kind of deal. So definitely interested to see how number 80 thrives in this offense because he's looked good so far in camp. But yeah, not expecting those exorbitant numbers we're used to from the past. Yeah, Jimmy Graham's a fun story. It's worth talking about whether he contributes a lot or not. And he's looked solid. We've seen him catch a couple passes. He was active in the two-minute drills the other day, caught two passes in a row. Um, you know, he's just a guy who brings an element that no one else on this team does, which is that guy's six seven. 
You can throw the ball up there and he can go get it in a spot that other guys can't. And whether they're able to take advantage of that, it is something. It is a reason to have him on the roster, right? And then you look at some other guys and she's like, eh, whatever. But let's move forward. One thing that's going to happen this week, well, by the time you listen to this podcast, it probably has already happened. We're recording this on Thursday. Friday morning, the Saints will be practicing in the Superdome. It is not open to the public, but they are going to practice in the Superdome, get acclimated to the dome. There's a new turf in there. It's a different type of turf, which, you know, maybe it'll help mitigate some injuries. I don't know. I, I, I don't understand how turf is different from turf, but it is a different turf. So they're going to get used to it and play there on Sunday. There will be a special attendee who, uh, you know, is in town for a very specific reason. Saints great, legendary Drew Brees, and he's got a pickleball tournament celebrity matchup against John McEnroe Saturday. But yeah, he's in town promoting the first annual NOLA Pickle Fest, uh, something he's bringing to help bring to New Orleans along with some other folks. And yeah, we'll be out there uh, during Thursday, Friday, sports talk, four to eight, checking things out. And yeah, curious to see how it all unfolds. Uh, I have yet to play pickleball. Uh, I've, I'm a ping pong player, and uh, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd try a, a doubles matchup against Drew. Yeah, see, I don't think I could deal with doubles pickleball. I would need to have singles pickleball because, like, yeah, you watch doubles, and it's just like they're literally just standing there going, clink. See, I can handle just the clink. standing instead of the little bit of running you may clink. have to do around. I just get, I'd get bored. <laughs> I get so anyway. The noise would also drive me insane. It was just like, clink. like the, the you know the like Monty Python with the yeah. coconuts. That's what I always think of when I hear that. Just click, click, click. That will be um, something definitely uh, I'm interested to find out too because we're supposedly broadcasting right off of championship court there. So we're going to be hearing ooh. a lot of the. Yeah, you'll hear it in the background incessantly. I mean, it's just like a piercing click uh, that's just yeah, hollow. Anyway, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it is something. But yes, that is why Drew Brees is in town. You know, man, I don't know if he's going to talk at Saints camp. It, it'll be good to hear from him. either way. You can listen to WWL. We will have him on twice we'll have it on thursday and friday so check any of those interviews out he's our new pickleball correspondent yes <laughs> he couldn't hack it as an nfl broadcaster but he's gonna he's gonna start the pnn the pickleball news network yes indeed the pun anyway going forward speaking of someone else who's thriving uh chris Olave. we've seen him you know rashid Shahid has been out so chris has been getting a lot of targets over the last Week, Rashid is dealing with a groin injury, so has Trey Quan Smith. So we've seen Derek Carr really go heavy to Chris Olave, and uh, you know I I don't know what I expected this off season in terms of he was really good last year. He caught seventy two passes, over a thousand yards, I think four touchdowns, something in that range. You know everyone's talking about how great Garrett Wilson was. I was watching Hard Knocks, and they were like the Saints or the the Jets drafted the best offensive and defensive rookie last year. And then Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner. And I was like, that's debatable. That's not just a statement. Like you're just, you're saying that as if it's a fact. I mean, he had almost an identical season to Chris Olave. He was good. I think he gets credit because he was catching passes from Zach Wilson a majority <laughs> of the season or whoever it was, Mike White, right? Like the, so I give him credit for that. But Olave was dealing with Andy Dalton. So anyway. Say, yeah, we still have the Andy man over here. So still. Right. Anyway, like I think. Chris Olave, I think, is getting overlooked in a lot of ways across the NFL. I think the Saints are getting overlooked in a lot of ways across the NFL. Now that Drew Brees isn't here anymore, Sean Payton isn't here, everyone's kind of just ignoring him. Um, but I think Chris is poised for a big year. I was talking to Bobby Bear about this today, and that I wouldn't be surprised if he 
easily leads this team in receiving yards. There is a scenario where Mike Thomas ends up catching more passes than Chris if Mike plays 14-plus games. But I think Chris, in the yards per catch advantage he's going to have, he could easily 1,400, 1,500 yards if things go the right way, if he stays healthy. Because the connection he's, seen, he's showing with Derek Carr already is impressive. Yeah, that's definitely looked really good in the early goings here. And I just, for me, we everyone seemed to talk about Olave's frame, not being a guy that can make those contested get catches. I won't say he's bulked up, but he's definitely maybe toned up. You know, he's got more muscle tone to him. And you see, you have seen more of those contested catches being made this camp. And that definitely makes me happy and will surely make this team happy as well because you know, there were a few instances last year where you wished he just looked a little tougher. Yeah, I think he said he bulked up to about 187 last year. He's playing at about 180. And, you know, okay. you don't like you talk about bulking up at the wide receiver position. You do have to be careful, right? Especially for a guy who's that smooth, whose main advantage is just quickness as opposed to maybe top end speed. Like he just gets in and out of his breaks really smooth. He transitions well. And that's how he gets open. So you don't want to sacrifice that for maybe a little extra bulk on your frame to help you in those instances. You got to you gotta split the difference there. And I think he has. We saw him in one-on-ones today. He caught all three of his reps, all three from Derek Carr, all three pretty much the same way. He was you know, out running a guy to the corner of the end zone. The ball got laid over the top, and he just went up and got it. He snagged it. Late hands, went and got it. And that's the type of catch that I don't think we saw from him last year. I, I make the jokes that Chris Olave is always open. And if you go back and watch his highlight tape, most of his catches, I'd say probably 90% of his catches last year, there was no defender anywhere near him to make a play on the ball. And you'd still like to see him make a lot of his catches that way. It's the 10% that you'd like to see where, okay, yeah, he didn't create five yards of separation. You just need a catch here. Go up and get it. And here's what here's what Dennis Allen had to say on that subject when he got asked about it today. Yeah, look, I think it's been I think it's been good. I think Chris is really coming along. I think he's improved a lot. You know, it's been good to see him make some of those contested catches that we've we've talked about. He's still a great transitional uh, route runner at the top of the route, and I think him and Derek have you know gotten a pretty decent rapport. You know, I, I was talking to a few people about fantasy football kind of uh, stuff with the Saints, and to me, Olave and Taysom Hill are definitely the big buys for me on the team this year. I think, you know, we saw Taysom's involvement with this offense reach a, a high last season. I think he can even beat that uh, coming into the year. We talked, he's talked about, you know, being more of that receiving thread. And just with Olave, really excited to see that sophomore season. I'm expecting the surge, not the slump from him for sure. Yeah, I am curious to see where he goes in fantasy drafts. And, uh, you know, Taysom is interesting, mainly because you can play him at tight end. I don't know what to expect from him from an output perspective this year. Because even though I think he is going to have a, a significant role, there's a lot of mouths to feed on this offense in ways that yeah. that was not the case last year, particularly in the run game. With Jamal Williams, you got to get him on the field. And they're trying to bring in a Kareem Hunt, right? If, if they add another running back that's like, well, you're bringing him in because you're going to play him. you know. And then Kendra Miller, who I think has looked really good. I, I've been very impressed with Kendra Miller. And I just don't – the only question for me is how do you get him on the field? How do you get him a reasonable amount of snaps – so I just don't know. I think you're going to use Taysom Hill. But like, for instance, in the red zone, when you have Jamal Williams, are you going to lean on Taysom Hill the way you did last year? I, I, I don't know. So that's 
that's the question for me. But yeah, I will and, you, say- and you have a, a new big man we just talked about too with Jimmy Graham to throw into the end zone too. He's a pretty good target. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we talked to Taysom Hill today and he does seem like he's a little more comfortable with his role, but at the same time, it's always changing. That's kind of the nature of his role and that's what makes it so difficult to defend is no one knows what it's going to be week to week. He doesn't know what it's going to be week to week. And that's 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 kind of where you're at. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. We'll see. But we here, here's what uh, Taysom had to say about when he was asked kind of if he has a clearer picture of his of his role in the offense this year. I, I don't know. I, I think the short answer is yes. Um, but I will say, like, even I go out to practice and, and frankly, I still don't really know what I'm all going to do. Um, but I know I'll either be blocking, throwing or or running or catching, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, I look, I just, uh, again, I think game plans change and guys get injured. And, you know, I just, I suspect that throughout the season, there's going to be, you know, just some of this stuff where maybe I have a few more carries. Maybe there's a game plan where I have a few more receptions and uh, maybe I throw it a couple more times and, you know, what we've done in the past. But, I, I don't know. I, I kind of expect that and just stay ready, stay on my toes, you know. I like that. It's like, well, I'm going to be blocking, running, throwing, or catching. That's <laughs> that, I know well, that. But that's – honestly, that's not even it because he's – so he got asked, was like, because Blake the other day when we talked to Blake Gilligan, he said he called him the best personal protector in the league, which he yeah. probably is. Um, And he was like, yeah, because any time we can run a fake. Right. And that's they, and the Saints didn't run any fakes last year with Taysom Hill. I don't think they ran a fake kick at all. And so it's like but but the other team has to always be on alert for it because it can happen at any time. And so, you know, that's part of it. But I also think Blake was just saying, like, yeah, he's, he's really he's really good at it. Like he's a good he's good at that job. He can relay information really quick, effectively because he's a quarterback. I just thought that was uh, that was interesting. Uh, I, I love the the you should so far we've seen of Taysom, you know, the that was talked about at least going into camp wanting to be more of a receiver. And I feel like we have seen him catch at least more passes in camp so far. We'll see if that it, that translates to game days. He had one stretch a couple days ago in a two minute offense right, right. that he caught four consecutive passes. I think I say I think it was five. He caught the last he the last pass yeah, yeah. on a Derek Carr set. Um, to set up a field goal. And then he caught the first four passes of the Jameis Winston set. So he caught five consecutive passes, which it was like, is this called? Like, what is happening? Uh, but uh, yeah, so I mean, he's he's being involved. The funny thing with Taysom is he only wears one glove because he's got the quarterback thing. And so that's not helpful. Like, you, like if he's, if he's going to be primarily catching passes, you would, I'd like to see him put on another glove. But if he did that, he'd probably kind of tip his hand that he's not going to be thrown. You know, so it's, it's kind of a... It's kind of I, a do know, I just remember last year, too, Taysom, fantasy-wise, you were all over that, and I know that paid off big time. It did. It did. Well, uh, it won me one week, just specifically. I wouldn't say it was a huge boondoggle for me, but I did win that when they win week five because of him because he had four touchdowns that week (laughs) and that complete like I should have lost that week but I had my tight end got me 40 points anyway moving on so what one other thing we can hit quickly is the favorite thing I heard this week and that is the term helicopter punts because that is something that the first time I saw it in practice I was like, what did he, I thought Blake Gillikin had missed. I thought he just like, 
he had just shanked it and it just came off like spinning wildly. And I was like, well, that can't possibly be what he was trying to do. And then he kicks again. He does the exact same thing. I'm like, well, I guess he is trying to do that. And uh, so I, I, I asked Blake earlier this week, you know, kind of what goes into adding things to your game? Because as a punter, you kind of look at it like, okay, I can punt really well. Like I do all of the things I have to do. But like how often are these guys like, how often is the meta changing, right? Like the most effective tactics available. That's what that stands for. Like how often does that change? Because as a punter, you know, it used to be like coffin corner and you used to do this. Now you're adding all this spin and trajectory. And so I asked him about that and I thought his answer was really interesting. New stuff that's come about the last couple of years. Um, guys are starting to hit helicopter punts, yeah. which are really tough to catch. Johnny Hecker was the first to do it in the game. He now plays for Carolina, so we see him twice a year. And he's done it against us. So just kind of trying to incorporate that in my game also. And whether we need it, it spins. yeah so you have your spiral punt you have your end over end punt which spins backwards yeah. helicopter punt you kind of drop sideways and it spins to the right okay. it's supposed to kick to the right and those are really tough to catch for the returner because they go up this way and then snap back down at the end so whether using that in a just a regular game situation or when we need a, a turnover on the punting just kind of adding that to my arsenal has been kind of a focus this offseason i thought that was interesting because you a lot of times you watch a punter you don't really think okay how is he punting it and in this case, it's like, okay, well, we really need a turnover here. We're trying to make a comeback. So I'm going to kick this wildly spinning helicopter ball that this guy's going to have to either try to catch or get the heck out of the way. And it's tough to get out of the way of because it's going to take this kind of crazy sideways carom that you can't really gauge. So it's just kind of interesting. And, you know, I, th- I think uh, for Blake, you know, we talked about how. One of the things he's working on this year is consistency. He admitted that there were points last year that he let the team down late in games. The game against the Bengals, I'm sure, is you know case in point what he was probably referring to when he said that. And uh, he, you know, he dealt with injuries last offseason. He's feeling healthy now. So you know, I don't think that that punter battle is much of a battle anymore. I think we've seen what we need to see out of Blake. Um, but yeah, keep an eye out for. For the helicopter, the helicopter punts, because the first time you see it, you're gonna be like, "What the heck is that thing?" It because it looks exactly like it sounds. It is just spinning horizontally like a like a top. Yeah, and like you, re- you really aren't used to seeing it. So, like you said, you're like, "Oh man, he really must have hit that yeah, thing wrong." Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, interesting to find out. Obviously, Gillikin looking to add uh, uh, more and more to his bag of tricks too. Uh, you're always looking to learn, and. Uh, I would love to have some some turnover special teams as a result of that. That'd be pretty cool. Right. Well, you kind of think about, okay, what's an onside kick for the punter? I mean, it's just, just like yeah. a wild thing. Um, you know, it's funny because like stuff like that does change. Like there there are tactics that occur to people that actually change the game a little bit. I bet, Again, I, I started watching Hard Knocks and then the first episode of Hard Knocks, they have this whole thing about no-look passes and everyone's trying no-look passes because Aaron Rodgers does it all the time and he does it so subtly that you don't even notice it until you're like paying attention. Like, Oh, I guess he wasn't because uh, drew used to do that. Drew would do that and he would never call it out. Uh, there was a, the game against the lions in 2020. I remember spotting one where he was just, you, you, and it's easy to tell because you can see the lines on the back of his helmet. So you can tell where he's actually looking. And then he just goes drink and he hit, throws it to Traquan Smith, just stayed it by himself. Um, and just, you know, stuff like that is, is fascinating to me. It's just very nuanced that you wouldn't even notice if you're just watching it on TV and then all of a sudden it's like, well, why couldn't he field that punt? Oh, because he tried to catch it and it was like, anyway. You mentioned Traquan there. We didn't get into the the injury stuff at all, but yeah, he's still out. Um, Rashid Shahid, 
uh, Demario Davis, uh, Andrus Pete, of course. <laughs> yeah. What I will say is that the injuries that were the injuries that we talked about are still the injuries that exist, right? There are no right. new substantial injuries, which is a good thing. I guess Merritt leaving today, what was it, a hamstring, and he had been bothered by that before, so just something to look out for him. It's a, you're also talking about Kirk Merritt here. Like uh, I'm, I'm talking about know, starters. Right? I'm talking about Demario Davis, Rashid Jaheed. Those are the two that are actually concerning to me. Yeah, the headliners. Um, you know, uh, uh, your fifth string running back leaving practice early. That's not something that, you know, it's like, well, I'm rooting for Kirk. I hope he makes the team, but it's not something I'm like, oh, no, how are they going to possibly, you know, deal with it anyway? Because, like, if if you end up having to start Jalen Smith instead of Demario Davis, that is a massive Massive difference. There's a massive blow to you. We don't defense. want to even think about that. La, 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 la. I can't I hear say, you. <laughs> before we go, I will say I think DeMarco Jackson has looked solid. I haven't been ashamed of him as a player, right? Like he he looks like he can he can do the job. I just, you know, he's effectively a rookie. He didn't play last year. And you don't want to trust significant snaps to that guy right away <laughs> or, or or even in the season. Like you want him to be a filling guy. He did play well in coverage today. I saw him break up a pass to Michael Thomas. I think he's got good, good, a good skill set. I think, you know, maybe two, three years down the road and be like, oh, maybe he's the starter. But I don't want that to be week one of this season. So, yeah, those, those injuries are going to be something to watch. I'm still not overly concerned about it. We're still a long way away from the regular season starting when those games missed actually matter and those practice miss act- practices missed actually matter. But, yeah, the, the injury bug is the injury bug. Yeah, and like you said, it. I don't think there's been anything too serious. Obviously, we've we've had a few guys that have you know gone on injured reserve, but uh, thankfully none of the same you know all pro caliber like a Demario Davis. And what we're hoping we see from a Rashid Shahid who was looking so darn good before suffering that groin issue. And there's you just you know those injuries can be a little temperamental. You don't want that to linger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, again. We're three weeks away still from even, you know, close to a game week. So, yeah, Uh, the the worst thing you could do is bring a guy back when you are not confident they're 100%, and then they re-injure that, and suddenly you're dealing with something a lot worse. And I think that's probably what you're looking at with a Traquan Smith and a Rashid Jaheed and stuff like that. We did see Zion Williamson working out. (laughs) Right, it was like breaking Pelicans news. Well, I thought (laughs) – when I saw him out there, I, I looked at him and I was like, is that a player the Saints are working out? What is going on? And they were like, oh, wait, it's Zion. He just looks like a football player because everything about him screams football player until you're like, wait, okay, yeah, he, he plays basketball. But he plays it like a football player would. <laughs> yeah, the, um, you know, the what's cool about the whole saints pelican setup it's like benson campus there basically because you have the two the two teams facilities right next to each other yeah it just makes it difficult to park sometimes because there's two teams trying to share no, you see the problem with the parking is some for some reason the players don't want to go into the gated player parking so they end up in the media lot and you can always tell oh because yeah, there's a exactly. big difference between a player's car and my car. <laughs> oh, that that wasn't your blue Bentley, Jeff? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I left my Bentley at home today. I didn't want anyone to be embarrassed. But yeah, I believe that was Marshawn's Bentley. That's um, what I thought, too, because of Ohio plates. And I was like, that kind of swag seems like Marshawn. Yeah, like there was one, like there was this like palatial looking truck that pulled in. And I was just like, it was like a $50,000 truck. And I was like, 
that's not yeah, and uh, there's a player that's going to be climbing out of there it was Al, it was alvin it was just it's like yeah okay fine <laughs> he's parks next to me the who drives a chevy spark which is the smallest car you'll ever find i joke too i'm driving around in a 99 camry 99 yeah, yeah you can tell it that is a very much a two decade old vehicle. yes i can i can tell i've been in it <laughs> still drives the engine works and amen the air conditioning still works too knock on wood there you go but all right let's wrap up this segment we're going to come back and we're going to break down the saints first unofficial depth chart what stands out what to keep in mind what battles to watch that sort of thing i'm jeff nowak he's steve geller if you haven't subscribed yet please do that check us out on youtube at wwl sports check us out on twitter at saints underscore pod i'm on twitter at jeff underscore nowak he's at steve geller wwl the latest news and notes on the saints can be found at wwl.com and stick around on inside black and gold i'm jeff nowak he's steve keller subscribe have you subscribed yet you should do that if you haven't subscribed yet why not hit the subscribe button do it anyway moving forward the saints play a preseason game on sunday which means that we got the first unofficial depth chart which also means we got a lot of ors not oars ors in terms of either or and so that's just the first step in kind of identifying what position battles we're imagining and what, which ones are actually happening. Um, and so I put up a post on WWL.com if you want to go check it out. It's just basically, here are my five biggest takeaways from this depth chart that I'm flashing up on the screen. If you want to check it out, go on YouTube, WWL Sports. And, uh, you know, the, the first one to me is one that I have been talking about for a while, and it is that I think James Hurst is the starting left guard on this team. And I think this is this is the Saints' way of of agreeing with that, because you look at that, Andres Pete or James Hurst. Now, don't read in and read into any read anything into the order with which the names are written. If it's an or, then that means it's fifty fifty. You have to list one guy first. It does not mean that they're ahead. But you know, we haven't seen Andres Pete in over a week. He has missed, I want to say, eight consecutive practices. So if there's a battle going on here, if this is an actual position battle, I think it's been pretty one-sided. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's the same old story with Andrews Pete right now. The thing is, we with his calf issue, we haven't even seen him back at all practicing on the side, you know, limited work. So no. it's just it's just curious case of, you know, Andrews Pete as, as usual kind of thing. And yeah, r- until... We can see him. You, you can't. You can't be playing unless you're, you know, on the field kind of deal. So yeah, right now James Hurst definitely your starting left guard. So that position battle to me is very real. And if Andres Pete was here and healthy and playing, I would. I think it would be interesting to watch. In this case, you know, right now you have to give James the clubhouse lead, and maybe Andres comes back and just blows everyone out of the water. But that's tough to do as a guard. You know, there aren't splash plays you can really make. And uh, I just I don't know I don't expect it to happen I expect James Hurst to start there so I thought I think that was Penny, Pen, didn't Penny mention having a comfort level with with Hurst too Yeah because he's played with him because he's with him. <laughs> right like it's not that complicated to figure out why that might be because Andres hasn't been there and James is also just a guy it's like there's a reason we talk to James as like a 
as a as a leader of that group because he is a, a very impressive personality, right? Like he's a guy that I would want the young left tackle to kind of you know be a sponge to because he's had a ten year career out of doing nothing but working hard. Anyway, so we talk about the position battle that is real because there's an or next to it. Now let's talk about the one that is not real. It is a figment of your imagination, <laughs> and it is Taysom Hill and Jawan Johnson. That is not a position battle. It's 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 not. Jawan Johnson is your starting tight end, and this is to me that's indicating that that's completely true. Taysom Hill is your starting Taysom Hill, and I think you put or here because you do want to indicate like Taysom. Yeah, Taysom's whatever you want to call him. He's a starter. There's no such yeah. thing as a flex, <laughs> but you know he's not in contention to take Jawan's snaps. I asked Taysom Hill earlier this offseason if he even considers himself a tight end. He said no. So, like, if you're looking at that and saying, oh, wow, why are they, why would they take away Jawan's snaps and give him to Taysom? That's not actually what's happening. The biggest question at tight end, I would say, is are they going to keep three or four? And that includes Taysom in the mix, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, there's your four right there. I think you keep four. I do. And I, I think the question to me is, you know, how do you how do you platoon Jimmy Graham and Foster Morrow? You know, I, I think Foster could end up being the odd man out a lot of weeks because you are keeping Taysom in the action and you do want to get Jimmy reps. And, you know, do you need Foster as a blocker? I think you do. But yeah, I think that's that's gonna be a weird position. I, I consider it like you're keeping three tight ends and one Taysom. It's hard to put him in any one spot. So yeah, you just have to consider him. Taysom, one of one, not Jameis, not Jameis, one of one. <laughs> <laughs> right. There are a couple other notes um, that don't involve roster battles. And and I can just say like right now, so yes, this is a roster battle. You're not gaining any information from this depth chart. So I'm not going to spend any time talking about it because like we knew it was a roster battle. All we know from this depth chart is no one's won it yet. I think... Paulson Adebo is slightly ahead. I think that's been the case from the beginning, and I haven't seen anything to change that. But again, this depth chart isn't telling us anything about that, so I'm just going to move on from that. Um, I, what I it say, is, go ahead. I will say a little surprise. You look at the defensive end. There's no or with Granderson and Turner there. Well, I was saving that, but we can go into that now. Okay. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that that is one of my five takeaways. If uh, it's on that list that I put up, so I'm glad we're on the same page. Yes. So one thing that's clear is. This isn't necessarily a position battle. Carl has won it, and I think for good reason. He has played very well. He's been one of the better players at camp. I think Peyton has also played well. You know what? And, and I'm okay with it. I, I think you're going to have a rotation there. Peyton Turner is going to get plenty of snaps. Carl is going to get plenty of snaps. And if they're both productive, fantastic. You're, all, you're, you're better for it. What we have seen is the Saints have been going to more NASCAR packages. I think they're going to incorporate that more often where maybe you have the one run stuffing defensive tackle in there and you take you take the other defensive tackle off and add an extra defensive end on. It's usually something you go to on pass downs where you're not really worried. You have one guy eat the double team and you have the other guys all get up after the passer. So I think there's going to be opportunities to get all three of Cam, Peyton, and Carl on the field at the same time. But I, I agree with you. I think that is telling that you know they're not even pro- projecting that as a battle. They're saying Carl Granderson has, owns that spot right now. And throwing in a little bit of uh, Tano Passanio has been someone we've taken notes on too. But unfortunately, guys, man, still, yeah, nothing from rookie Isaiah Foskey, really. Maybe we'll see something in these preseason games, or hopefully we see something in these preseason games. Because, yeah, just in practices, 
there really hasn't been much of a standout of anything for Foskey. No, he's learning. He, I don't think you're gonna. He's gonna make much of an impact earlier in the season, uh, maybe on special teams. But he's gonna make the roster. You know that. Tano, yeah, I think Tano is kind of the the platoon for Cam, who never comes off the field anyway. So it's not exactly you know it's uh, it's a clipboard holder kind of thing. I think because I do think that Peyton would get the the rotational reps with Carl before Tano, and I think that's why you see it listed this way. But yes, Isaiah Foskey. Um, I don't expect to see him on the field much, and. I'm fine with that because you do have the depth, right? Like I'd like to see him come along. I'd like to see him stay healthy. He has, he hasn't missed a practice. Neither has Peyton Turner. So but, I, but I you expect them to see a bunch Sunday though, right? Not, I'm just saying not regular. Oh, season yeah. oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, you're okay. going to see, you're, see you're, you're probably going to see starters. I don't know how much you're going to see, but you're probably going to see starters. But yeah, I think Jake Hayner, Isaiah Foskey, you're going to see both of those guys uh, an extended period in, in this game. But one other thing that, that I think is worth noting, if you look up here, it says Landon Young as your backup left tackle. And that's a change because previously he's been your backup right tackle. That is now Storm Norton. And I think we've seen that in camp thus far is Storm has lined up behind Ryan Ramchek and taken the snaps when he's out. He's, when Ryan has been out, which has been frequently because he is on a program that worked last year. It's the same program he was on last year. And he, his knee held up well. So they was like, okay, let's do it again. And so whenever Ryan's been out, it's been Storm at the starting right tackle spot. So you say, okay, what's happening with Landon Young? He's made the roster the last two seasons as the backup right tackle. What are you going to do with him? We've seen him at left tackle. We've seen him at guard. We've seen him working around. And while that is a positive thing for him, like generally speaking, in terms of being able to do more, I think in this case, it's a sign that he doesn't have a spot on this roster. Because when you look at the backup left tackle, it's, actually James Hurst who if if Trevor Penning went down in a game you would kick Hurst to left tackle and you would have Andres Pete start at left guard or go in at left guard which means that on this list Landon Young is actually third string you just only list guys twice so to me that means he's not on the roster and you, because I think before your third string left tackle, you would keep a backup center. So if you keep nine offensive linemen, I don't think he's one of them. And you're kind of going to go from there. But I do think that's that's what this depth chart is telling me right now. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe James Hurst wouldn't be your backup left tackle. But it just seems crazy to me that you would have Landon Young take that over in in a situation that you didn't have to. No, I agree with you totally. Hurst would have to go to left tackle in my mind as well. We've seen him do it before. He's been a pretty uh, consistent performer for the squad, obviously. Uh, Nick Saldaveri, uh, an interesting guy to see what he's capable of. I know he's got versatility along the O-line, but yeah, I don't know if he's ready for, you know, to be that primetime player yet. Yeah, that's an interesting one to me too because you do have Saldaveri working at left guard, um, which, I mean... I'm not. I think there's a chance that Pete doesn't make it to the regular season. I, I don't think you're going to cut him, but you know he's a guy who has not been a backup in his career, right? Like he's been the starter, and I, I mean, who knows how he would take a demotion like that? I, I don't know. And if it became a problem, maybe you just move on from him. Um, but yeah, right now you have Nick Saldaveri as your left guard, um, so uh, I, I don't know if he would easily be able to shift across and play right guard. It's not as easy as it sounds. Right. Um, you're, you're flipping everything, but yeah, that's a, it's an interesting question. 
And uh, obviously not, not a big name either, but uh, Coda Martin's a bit banged up right now dealing with something. I forget what his issue was. Coda Martin's cut. He's not on the roster anymore. Oh, injury settlement. Yeah. So yeah, he was, he's been done. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. He, well, yeah. I mean, he, he got cut uh, yesterday, I believe, but all right, going down, I think there was one more. Okay. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> when we talked to Dennis Allen the other day, he kind of pointed out that, yeah, they don't know who their, uh, their backup off the ball linebackers are right now. It's something that is going to have to be decided in the preseason. And so I think that's what you see here. I think DeMarco is, you know, while he says that, I think DeMarco is is the guy who's going to be your second string middle linebacker, your Mike linebacker. Even if you bring in a Jalen Smith, I don't want to see Jalen Smith slot in ahead of DeMarco unless you're talking about the week one starter where I don't want to start a guy at the Mike linebacker spot in his first career NFL game. That's a tough equation for me. As much as I like DeMarco, I probably would go with Jalen. If you're talking about week 12 and and De- DeMario has played and DeMarco has backed him up and maybe got some reps here and there, maybe I'm different there. But either way, I think that's the guy. So when you're looking at this, I think the question is, these two players, who can stand out between Nephi Sewell and Anthony Orgy to be that backup Will linebacker? It's tough because I don't know if Anthony has the coverage ability to be a Will linebacker in the NFL. So I'm leaning toward Nephi. Um, he's a smaller, he's a smaller linebacker. I think he just profiles better to that spot, but that's going to be two players fighting for what I would consider to be one of the last spots on the roster. Yeah. And I feel like Nephi's definitely been someone who's shown up a little bit more in these later training camp practices. Uh, we saw, we saw him obviously last year on this squad orgy. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough for the rookie. I think to make the active roster seems like more practice squads to me. I agree with that. So here's another one, a guy that I've talked about a good bit, Lonnie Johnson Jr. He's currently listed as your backup free safety. And I asked Dennis Allen about him the other day, and his versatility is going to be valuable. Um, and I expect him to make the roster. He got he banged knees today. I think he's a little a little sore, but nothing significant. I think he is going to be he's going to be on this roster, uh, assuming nothing crazy happens from an injury perspective, or he just plays terribly. But yeah, I think that this it being kind of listed as the backup free safety here is 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 notable because like you look at a guy like Isaac Yadam, so he's technically backup here, the second string, but it's only because one of these guys, Alante Taylor, Paulson Adebo, is is going to slot back there, so he's actually third string. Jonathan Abram is listed as your backup free safety, so that's interesting to me because are you going to keep all three of Jonathan Abram, J.T. Gray, and Jordan Howden? That might be tough. And you're looking at Jordan Howden. He's he's pretty deep on this depth chart. So maybe he's not as high up uh, on this list as, as maybe we think. But again, I think that's just an example of reading a bit too much into this first unofficial depth chart, which past the starters and maybe the second string guys, I think it's kind of a toss-up. Uh, Smoke Monday is a, a someone, too, that I feel like we've seen this week starting to push his name a little more to the forefront. Yeah, he got an interception today. Um, tips and overthrows, baby. That's the name of the game. And Jay Kaner kind of lofted a ball over Shaq Davis. I can't remember if it was Shaq Davis or James Washington. It was one of those. It was either 88 or 89. Tough to tell sometimes. Uh, but the ball just got over his head and Smoke was there. And that's the type of interception that, while it seems simple, the Saints just didn't make last year. You did not get oh, them. They did not right. exist. If the Saints got four or five of those last season, I think they make the playoffs. <laughs> like, like, those are the type of plays that change games because – 
it's just a quick change and you give your offense a short field and, and you make it happen. You capitalize on the other team's mistakes. And instead you were the team making mistakes. So I think that showed well. Lonnie Johnson has also made it at least one interception, maybe two, but that's it. It's an interesting battle. And I think the questions are going to come down to, right? You're looking at Lonnie Johnson, Smoke Monday, Jordan Howden. You can keep two of them. Who are those two? And uh, yeah, so that's going to be something. And one of the reasons that's the case is you are keeping Jimmy Graham. So you're keeping an extra tight end where you might have otherwise not. You are keeping Jake Hayner. So instead of only having to keep two quarterbacks, you're keeping three. You are keeping Taysom Hill. So those are three roster spots that in another season you might have free that you are dedicated to somebody because you can't cut them. Like you can't stash Jimmy Graham on a practice squad. Like you're you're not doing that. Either he's on the roster or he's not. So uh, I think that's going to be the question. And I think a lot of times it'll come down to can we get this guy to the practice squad or do we think he'll get claimed, right? Like a Keith Kirkwood, as he's looked really solid, I know I can get him to the practice squad, right? Like I'm not worried about that. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned too, Jake Hayner. Today might have been his uh, roughest, you know, training camp session. When I say today, Thursday, uh, I had an interception today, just had a, sh- you know, a, sh- a shaky day all around. Uh, otherwise, though, he's he's looked good and definitely someone. Uh, obviously, everyone's going to have eyes on for Sunday. He had two interceptions today. He threw two interceptions. It should have been three. There was a couple just bad decisions. One that that overthrow to Smoke Monday was one of them. He had a ball tipped at the line by Malcolm Roach, who had a really good day, and it kind of fell into the arms of Jaron Cage. You know, for the fun big man interception everyone loves. Um, and then he had another throw up the right sideline. Poor Ty Summers. <laughs> he was in perfect position. The ball got thrown behind Foster Morrow. He reaches out, gets a hand on it. And I, I still don't understand how it happened. I, I was watching in real time. And I was like, what? How? How How did Foster Morrow catch that ball? Because it looked like it deflected off of Ty Summers' hands. And if Ty never touched it, it was going to fly behind Foster. It was a ball that far behind him that he could not make a play on it. And Ty put his hand out. It like bounced off his hand and deflected like forward. If right into Foster's arms in like one motion, and you you saw you saw Ty on the sideline going like he did like the surrender Cobra like oh no, <laughs> so it's it's funny and that's why you know, you look at some of these notes out of camp and you know you you have to kind of read into it a little bit more than you know okay so he threw a touchdown to Foster Morrow they're not going to look at that on tape and be like good job Jake yeah right <laughs> way to get him. <laughs> Yeah, you just just looking over things. Yeah, the stats can be deceiving a little sometimes, or you know the whatever you're reading because yeah, it's not going to highlight how much of an amazing uh, grab that was by Moro. I was incredibly lucky, but yeah. So yeah, I think this was a rough day for Jake, and that's part of the reason I I have been so loud about like okay, let's calm down, let's pump the brakes. Is because he's a rookie. He's a fourth round rookie. He's going to have days like this. And you have to allow for them. You have to allow rookies to struggle. That's why I've always hated this idea that you draft a quarterback high in the draft. They have to start week one. Like Bryce Young is going to be thrown to the Wolves. Anthony Richardson's going to be thrown to the Wolves. Look what happened to Zach Wilson. Look what happened to Sam Darnold. Like these were not guaranteed bad quarterbacks in the NFL. They became just hopeless quarterbacks because they lost all of their confidence. And once you lose your confidence, it's really tough to get it back. So I, I think the Saints aren't going to do that with Jake. I think this is a redshirt season for him. But yeah, it, it was a rough day for him. 
No, that's been one of the buzz or people starting to talk about, hey, do you think if Hayner keeps looking the way he has, that he could unseat Jameis as the number two quarterback? And I, I just don't see that to happen in this season. You, you want you still want Jameis there that has that experience behind Derek Carr in case of emergency. Yeah, DA got asked yesterday if it could be if it would be inconceivable <laughs> to to uh, have, see Jake Hayner unseat Jameis, and he said nothing is inconceivable, and all I could think is inconceivable from Princess Bride. I don't know if it's an underrated movie, but definitely one everyone should see. That's a great flick. I think it's rated accurately. I don't. I don't think it's under or overrated. I think it is adequately rated. It's That's, it's one of the few that I actually showed my 13-year-old that he didn't turn his up nose up to about it. It's a good movie. Yeah. Got Andre the Giant in it. He can barely move, but he gets the job done. Yeah. I listened yeah, to a podcast right. recently about Andre the Giant. He used to drink like just gallons of liquor on a daily basis. <laughs> oh, really? I wonder. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder how much it takes him to get uh, lit up. It, uh, enough to like kill a small animal. Like the, you, you, most people would not survive... I say a small animal, large animal. Most people would not survive the amount of liquor he would imbibe on a daily basis. He was just a, he was a, he was a, he was a, he was a giant in a lot of ways. So let's wrap that segment up. That's kind of just the, the broad strokes breakdown. If you're taking anything more than that away from this depth chart, you're overreading it. You know, th- those are, these are the very clear observations. Not like, Ooh, they must like James Washington more than Kawan Baker, right? It's a, Maybe. I don't know. It, that could be true, but it's not what they're saying with this. Anyway. So let's move forward. This is Inside Black and Go. We're going to come back and we're going to pick a handful of spotlight players, players that we are watching closely in this preseason opener against the Chiefs on Sunday. Not list necessarily the biggest names, but the players that we're looking for. So stick around for that. This is Inside Black and Inside Black and Gold, I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Hit the subscribe button and follow the show on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. Check out WWL.com for the latest Saints content. And in this final segment, we are going to break down the spotlight players for the Saints preseason opener. Let's start on offense. Let's start with Mr. Steve, as I learned he was called today by our spotter on the Made me feel old for sure. Mr. Steve. I'm looking at running back and looking at the rookie, Kendry Miller. We've seen him in training camp. Love what has been going on so far. Just uh, more action for him in a live game setting scenario is going to be great. I'm still curious on what the team's thinking in general of wanting to bring in another running back and what that role will be just because, you know, with Miller and Jamal Williams on the forefront with the Alvin Kamara suspension, I I thought they were looking pretty good there, but for whatever reason, they were still interested in someone like Kareem Hunt. So there's still obviously a need at the position. But just overall, for me, uh, Kendry Miller, want to see more of that shiftiness, ability to hit the hole. And we'll see if he, you know, any pass protection or, or pass catching happens in Sunday's game against the Chiefs, too. I, I think that's a good one. And, and it's mainly pass protection that I need to see him succeed in. Because I think any rookie running back, any rookie running back. I don't care if you're Bijan Robinson. I don't care if you're Tajay Spears. I don't care if you're Kendra Miller. If you can't be trusted yeah. in pass protection, you will not be getting on the field. 
Because if if you can't be trusted in pass protection, that means the only ways you can get on the field are during rundowns. And if you're only getting on the field for rundowns, then you are tipping your hand as to what you're going to do. So that just can't happen. So that's going to be a big thing. And it's something that, generally speaking, is really difficult to rep in team-on-team practice. True that. Because you're not really hitting. You know, even the padded practices, you're not really hitting. So, you know, on Sunday against the Chiefs, they're going to be trying to take their car's head off or Jay Kaner's head off or whoever it is. And you got to be in there and you got to stop them. You know, to some extent, that's going to be the case in in the joint practices as well, starting with the Chargers next week. But, you know, that these are the opportunities you're going to have to prove that, no, you don't need a Kareem Hunt. I can be that guy. Yeah, for sure. So, okay, let's go forward here. I'm going to take the easy way out on offense. And I'm going to say Jay Kaner, right? Because... You know, as as much as I as much as I've been kind of a jerk about this whole idea that okay, he's going to be a star immediately. <laughs> these are the games that you really have to get an evaluation on, whether it's to to see what he has to work on or to see what he's doing really well right now. You're not going to get reps in the regular season. This isn't going to be so. Kendra Miller, maybe you know he gets it. You're up. You're up big late in a game, and he's going to get in. You're not going to do that with Jake. He's not going to be a guy you bring off the bench. He's probably going to be inactive on most game days, uh, assuming both Derek and Jameis are healthy. Because you have you have Taysom as your emergency quarterback. You don't really need him taking up a roster spot. So you're going to have three opportunities plus four joint practices to get the best picture you can of what Jake can do. Do you think he can be the backup quarterback this year or next year? This is where you're going to find out. And this is where... We saw Ian Book struggle. Everyone really liked Ian Book until we saw him get on the field and just did not have it. <laughs> oh, that's rough. <laughs> he didn't have it. His first career pass was a pick six. And while you could say, oh, man, he was playing with a bunch of backups, the pick six wasn't a product of the backups. <laughs> the pick six was a product of not being ready. Um, and uh, he's in Philly now, so he's their problem. But – that's mean. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't hate Jake. I don't hate Ian Book. But <laughs> that's my guy is Jake Hayner. You know, we're going to see. I, I am curious just how much, how many reps he gets because it sounds like we're going to see Derek Carr. We're going to see Jameis Winston after him. So does he get the whole second half? Maybe you have Derek Carr play a series. You have Jameis Winston play the rest of the first half. And then you have Jake play the second half. I don't think you're going to want to have Jake play three full quarters. That seems like a lot. But this is going to be his, his, his first chance to, uh, to show that you can be an NFL quarterback at whatever he is, 5'11". I'll say the other one, too, for me on offense is uh, left tackle Trevor Penning. Obviously, you know, we saw very limited action from him last year. Uh, the constant talk is great. He's great. He's a good, good run mauler. Can he hold up in pass protection? And obviously, that's going to be huge. We want to see more of that pass pro from the big man. And hopefully that foot can hold up, too. Well, both feet, actually, because it wasn't just – one that suffered injuries. Yeah, he made us nervous early in camp with that initial foot injury. Yeah. And, I, and it's one of those situations where, man, it's like, D.A., stop telling us stuff like that. Like, if he's only going to miss a day with a minor injury, don't tell us it's a foot injury because that's just going to immediately have people freak out. I'm I'm going to go home and write a headline that Trevor Penning has a foot injury and everyone's going to be like, oh, my God. Right. Because you have to. You have to react to it. That's our job. And then he's back the next day, and it's like, guys, yeah, this is a thing. Anyway, it's uh, so hopefully those feet can hold up because if he can get through this season without any major foot injuries, it's gonna feel a whole. I'm gonna feel a whole lot more confident about him as a player. 
and it has nothing to do with his form or his technique. It's just like, if your feet can't support you, then you cannot be an NFL left tackle. No, and then, yeah, we don't want to have to worry about, oh, great, we have to worry about Trevor Penning's replacement and also Andrews Pete's replacement, and suddenly we're, we're back to square one again, like, oh, no, this, this offensive line is, is patchwork and we're falling apart. Yeah, I've had enough injury-prone linemen. And, and to be fair, linemen get hurt. It's not their fault. Like, it's just a position where you get hurt. Contact every play for sure. Contact every play. You're trying to anchor. You're in. You're constantly in a position where you can get rolled up on and do nothing about it. You can't protect yourself. Plus, you're big. You know, it's a lot of pressure. You're walking around with 300 pounds on your body all the time. They choose. They chose this life. Uh, when we got to talk to Petting, though, uh, obviously, love the attitude right now. He seems really upbeat, positive going into the year. Uh, yeah, just want to see it hold up and more, more uh, development from him. And yeah, we we want to see that first round talent coming through. I definitely like his approach. Uh, I like how how he's approaching this season and how he goes about his craft and his right. Work. It was it was brought up today too how he's not been that guy, you know, you know, starting fights. He's still still someone who's working through the whistle, but has uh, calmed down a bit with you know uh, getting into little fisticuffs with with his teammates. Yep. I haven't seen that happen this year, so uh, good for Not him. Not with him, right. There's been a little pushing, shoving from folks. But, yeah, surprisingly, nothing with Penning. Okay, let's move on. Let's go to the defensive, defensive side of the ball. And, Steve, who is your spotlight player on the defense? Uh, defensively, definitely, I'm going to say Elante Taylor. I know what he's been doing, but I feel like when the lights come on, he's definitely a player that wants to show off and show out. So these preseason games – I think he's going to try and make some kind of, you know, big plays to be that game changer, trying to make it clear that he is that guy that should be opposite Marshawn Latimer more compared to Paulson Adebo. I think Adebo has been great too. We've talked about it earlier that that really is one of the position battles that's legit. Uh, I just, I'm excited to see Tay Taylor in action just because I dig his swag. I think he's just got that mentality about him. Uh, uh, wanting to be that dude, and uh, I'm just looking forward to uh, that big play. We still need his first interception in the game. I guess preseason wouldn't count for that, but last season we saw some missed opportunities. And, uh, yeah, just coming into this season, I think he's going to put on quite a show. Yeah, I am interested to see just how much the starters do play. Uh, we talked to Ryan Ramchek today, and he – well, Dennis Allen said he expects starters to play. Ryan did not know whether he was going to play or not. So clearly that plan has not been fully established yet. So does See, a guy to, like to me a little bit, I'm like, if I'm Derek Carr, I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know if you're playing. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. But uh, so like, does Marshawn play? Right. Cause if, if Marshawn does play, then you kind of have to make a decision, right? You got to have, a, you know, I, I almost think they don't have Marshawn play because you don't need to see Marshawn. And Good point, if, right. you, if you, if you do play Marshawn, then you will be forced to put one of those guys on first team and one of those guys on second team. And I don't think they're ready to make that decision yet. So I almost think that position battle alone is going to make it unlikely for Marshawn to play. Cause I think you want to get those guys on even footing and see what happens, but that's going to be something to watch. And so, yeah, if, if Marshawn does play, is it Paulson out there first? I think it probably would be. Um, but yeah, so we'll have to wait and see, but I agree. Alante is always fun to watch. I'm looking forward to it. I'd like to see one of those guys make a big play and, and separate themselves because this is where you can start to do that. But all right, let's start creating that uh, that turnover mentality 
Uh, we hear it a lot, like with sacks, they start coming in bunches. If we start building, you know, the the culture of turnovers early on, maybe that can continue throughout the season. I don't know. I don't know, but I think that's a good pick. Um, I'm going to go on the defensive line. I feel like I know what I need to know about Carl Granderson. I feel like I know what I need to know about Colin Saunders, Nathan Shepard, Cam Jordan, all these guys. The guy I'm interested in watching is Peyton Turner because I would love to see Peyton Turner make it impossible to keep him on the bench, right? Like I, I would love to see him work at a rate that's like, man, we got to find ways to get this guy on the field because he does have the physical ability to dominate. He does. It's why he was a first rounder. And I know a lot of people were like, well, he was a first rounder because Sean Payton is it's crazy. And maybe that's a little bit true. But I mean, the physical ability he has as a 4-3 defensive end is legit. And we have seen it in very, very tiny flashes. Uh, he had two sacks in a game last year. Um, and it's like, I just want to see him impact games. He's going to get, assuming Carl plays, which I don't see why he wouldn't, he's going to be going in there against second stringers. And I want to see him dominate those second stringers, right? I don't want to see him have no impact, be a non-factor. I want to see him go in there and show why he should be on the first team. And so he's my spotlight player. There's a lot of other options. You could have, you could have gone with a Brian Brzee. You could have gone with Nephi Sewell, but he's my guy. Love the pick there too, just because, I'm hoping uh, Peyton Turner sees that depth chart and goes, you know what? I'm I'm going to show you that I should be ahead of Carl Granderson kind of thing. Or at and, least yeah, in a competition with him. Right. Yeah. And so that, that can be nothing but good news, I think. He knows that he's got to stay on the field. That's been an issue. And not being a healthy scratch during the year, too, either. But so far, so good from Turner because I've been definitely critical of him and, and wondering if he is going to be turned – you know, a quote-unquote bust for this squad. Still too early for that, obviously, but definitely a guy that needs to show us something. And, yeah, what, let's go. Game one, uh, preseason game number one in the Superdome. The atmosphere will be there uh, all around the black and gold. And, uh, well, yeah, we'll see uh, if he's a guy that can rise up to that occasion. Yep, yep. But I think that's going to wrap it up for us here on this episode of Inside Black and Gold. I know Steve has some pickleball he's got to get to. Uh, got to learn how to do the little clink-clink. On the, on the on the little paddles um, I, I, we joked about this a little it's like i don't i've never seen anybody try to do those finesse like drop shots or put like this big spin on the ball like even if you do in ping pong uh but it's just been a whole from what i've seen in pickleball it's just a whole lot of volleying i agree <laughs> yeah so it's like does anyone go in for the kill doesn't seem like it i don't see a whole lot of power shots going on in uh in the pickle the pickle world but yeah i'm looking forward to it Go ahead. Who knows next year when the second annual Pickle Fest comes around, maybe inside black and gold, we'll, we'll enter in the competition. I don't want to. It, come on, uh, I'll be maybe. for ratings. <laughs> ratings. Whatever those. <laughs> um, but all right, yeah, I'm looking forward to Sunday. It'll be my first game on the sidelines this season. And then we're going to head out to L.A. So it's gonna, it, it all goes, it's all, you know, it, it, it just feels like it's starting. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like the season is here. Uh, obviously you, yeah enjoy the ride on the sideline i know you got a taste of it last year but man oh man it, i know you're gonna have a ton of fun especially uh during the regular season when it really gets into those away games because it's it's quite an experience that nobody and not many people get to to have so yeah, yeah. Uh, congrats to you on getting the gig and uh have a blast i, I know i i sure did for the couple of years and then you gave it up like a fool well i, I, I got you only had bad seasons 
uh, the, my first year was the Nola no call. And then yeah, the worst yeah. season, <laughs> I, I was all dancing on the sideline thinking I was going to the Super Bowl too. Yeah. yeah you, you took the hits. I'll, I'll get the, I'll get the, I'll get back to the playoffs here. Um, I hope you do for sure. Uh, yeah. But all right, that's going to wrap it up here. This is inside black and gold. I'm Jeff Nowak on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. He's Steve Geller at Steve Geller. W W Ali can follow the show at saints underscore pod. You should do that. Follow us on YouTube at WWL sports. Check out sports talk four to 8 PM. Monday through Friday, Steve Geller's on there. It's WWL AM 870 FM 105.3 and always free on the Odyssey app. It's also a fun app. We're on there. It's a good time. Check it out. But yeah, any 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 parting any parting words before we, uh, before we bid everyone adieu here? Like you say, subscribe, like, and download. Please support Inside Black and Gold. Coming in year two. And we forgot to mention to everyone, we just passed our 50th episode a couple uh, weeks back, right? Or was it last week? Of season two. Of season two? Oh. Yeah. We've already put out 50 episodes this season. Ooh, which okay. started after the draft. Where, I, I mean, I have to go back and check. I mean, we're well past 100 episodes. I mean, we might be on 200 at this point. But yes, yeah, so we have made it a full year, officially. I think it. I think like August 7th would have been the year mark. So we've we officially need confetti and streamers it. and balloons. We've survived. Woohoo! Kind Thank of. you, folks. Yeah. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Who that? Go Saints. Be easy, y'all. Peace.